Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, So we got half the announcements there, but uh, I'm going to fill you in on a few other things. And for those of you who don't know me, um, this is my first time up here speaking. My name is, well, it's kind of weird to say this, but my name, I'm Pastor Bobby. Uh, I was ordained a few months ago here at Victory, and so um, it's my privilege to be able to speak to you today. Let's see, how do I turn this on? Oh, here we go. All right, all right. So it's my privilege to, uh, to speak to you today and to get to know you all a little bit better, and um, I want to start with a few quick announcements. Um, so, obviously, I'm Bobby. My, you probably, uh, I usually go to the second service. You may not have seen my family and stuff, but if you do, I'm the one with uh, three little kids running around, and my wife, we just found out we're pregnant recently, and, um, and so we're all excited, but my wife is feeling really miserable right now because she has morning sickness and stuff, so she probably won't be joining us today because the kids have a little stuffiness and stuff like that, but... but um, but anyway, that's who we are. Jenny is my wife, and then Ellie, Everly, and little Buddy running around. So anyway, that's, that's who we are. And um, today, <clears throat> uh, I was asked to preach a few weeks from now, but unfortunately, Pastor Mike got COVID over in England. And I know Elizabeth is especially bummed because he has to be in quarantine for 10 days, and he couldn't come back. And so I was asked to uh, pinch hit today and move my message up, but I want to start by just uh, praying for Pastor Mike and for anybody else in our church who is going through some sickness right now, whether it be COVID or something else. I know uh, Mike shared with me that he is quarantining with his sister in Wales, which is, that's nice that he's able to do that, but he's had a, a rough week physically speaking, but he is rounding the corner. I know he's vaccinated, but as we found out, that doesn't mean you can't get sick, okay? So, um, you know, he's, he's dealing with all the fun stuff that has to do with COVID and all that, but he has made plans uh, to return home, and he's joyful for that, I believe, at the end of this week. Is that right? So we are excited that he gets to come back, and I know Elizabeth is especially excited there. So, um, so praise the Lord for that. But let me go ahead and just start us out with some prayer for him and for everyone else who's just dealing with different bugs and different sicknesses and all that stuff. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, Pastor Mike and the blessing he is to our church and our community. And we just ask for your healing hand to be upon him, strengthen him, and um, just comfort him during this time. And everyone else in our church and uh, just our friends and our Christian family, Lord, I just pray for them that Um, Everyone who's dealing with sickness and illness, we know that you are a God of healing and that you want us to be well and you want us to be comforted and loved. And we just, uh, we ask for that healing today. And we ask that that you will just uh, have your hand on those situations, Lord. You know each and every one. And we thank you for the natural antibodies you give us and for the natural healing that comes. But we ask for we ask for you to really have your hand on these situations to give us a speedy recovery and help, Lord. And so we thank you for that, and we thank you that uh, you are a God of healing and love, and we just, uh, we, we just praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So uh, 
Welcome this morning. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about faith and conviction, okay? So these are some things that I've really been wrestling with myself, and you know, I find that a lot of times when I do speak, my messages come from something that God is kind of challenging me with, and isn't that how it is? Like, a lot of times in our life, we can speak into things that we are challenged by, right? Because those are the things that God is kind of working in us, and he is like, maybe, maybe he's calling you to rise up to something, or maybe, maybe it's something that you're like, you're not, you don't have quite victory over yet, but you are working towards it, and God is helping you to learn about it and helping you to gain <clears throat> victory over it. So today we're going to talk about what is faith and conviction, why faith and conviction are important, and how do we get faith and conviction. And so I was starting out just actually going to talk about conviction uh, today and what is conviction and everything. But I realized that faith and conviction are kind of like twins. They're kind of, they're closely related. I'm not talking about conviction like, you know, you did something wrong and you got a conviction from the judge and you're going to jail. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God convicts you of something and you act a certain way because of it. And we're going to get into that and what the definition is. So we're going to start out with one of my favorite stories from Scripture. And I think we may have heard this story recently. I wish Jenny and I were trying to remember which sermon we heard this in. But we're going to go to Matthew 8, 5 through 13. And this is the story of the centurion soldier. And the centurion is, they are a soldier in the Roman army. And the Roman army is occupying Israel. But this soldier heard about Jesus, and he believed in Jesus. And so we're going to read the story and then go from there. All right, so I don't know if it's up on the screen. I can't see, but uh, if, we, if we get it up there, great. Um, I'm not sure. It might not be the same translation, but you'll get the idea. You can follow along. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then I'm going to skip over a little bit. Later in the passage, Jesus said, Go and let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So I want to talk about this for a second. Clearly, the centurion had a powerful faith. And I don't know about you, but man, it would be awesome if I could do something that God said, I'm amazed at his faith. Like, Jesus doesn't say this about almost anybody in Scripture. But this centurion, he's not an Israelite. He's not a Jew. He's an occupying army soldier. But he understood what authority was. And he had conviction about the power of Jesus. And I'm going to get into that, okay? Because we're going to talk about what is conviction and what's the difference between that and just a regular faith, okay? So this is just such a cool thing. And think about this. If you have a loved one and you 
really believe this guy might be able to heal this person. Like, let's say it's your son or daughter or, or wife or husband, you know, and you want this person to heal it. Of course, most people are going to be like, come, come heal them. Come on. But to say, oh, no, just say the word and I know. You don't even have to show up. That was so different. Everybody else in Scripture was like, no, come on. And Jesus came. You see it. Numerous times, Jesus came and healed somebody. But this was something special. This was something unique where he's like, I believe that you have that power. All you've got to do is say it, and they'll be healed. So it's something really cool, something really special. And I was wrestling with this last night. I was like, what is the difference between faith and conviction? Because clearly, you know, there's a lot of people with faith. I think asking Jesus to come and heal that person, that takes a lot of faith, right? Like, you still have to have faith that he might be able to do it, or else you would never go talk to him. If you had no faith, you'd be at home just being like, man, this is our fate. We're suffering. This, this stinks. So there's faith to start out, and faith is super important. But then there's an added layer of conviction there. So I was trying to think about it. I was like, conviction sort of like advanced faith. It's like faith on the next level. But I was like, you know what? That's not, that's not enough. There's something more to this. And I was really praying about it, wrestling with it. And I even looked it up. And, you know, one of the definitions I liked in online, um, in the dictionary, so to speak, uh, it's okay, but it says, conviction is the state of mind of a person who is sure that what he or she believes or says is true. And that's a pretty good one too, but you know what? That's a lot like faith because the Bible says in Hebrews 11:6 that uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and well, that's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so it's very similar when you look at the definition. But then it hit me as I was praying through this and studying this. It really hit me. My conclusion is that conviction is when you have faith to the point where you are compelled to act in a different way. And think about that for a second. Because when you have faith in something, it means you have a belief in it. But if you have a large degree of faith in it, and God is working through you in that faith, then all of a sudden it changes how you act towards that. And to me, that's what conviction is, is when your faith rises to the point of how you act and a change in that. So think about the centurion. He had faith in Jesus, but he had a conviction that Jesus had that authority to the point where he acted differently than everyone else. And in fact, he said, just say the word. He had a conviction that God could do it to the point where he's like, okay, this is something different. Let me give you an example in the real world today of the difference between faith and conviction. And then we'll talk about like why it's important, okay? So I think conviction comes out a lot when things get hard. Because it's easy to have faith in something when things are easy. It's when things get hard that it's a challenge. And so I like investing. Investing is kind of something I really enjoy doing, and it's something that I believe in as good, a good steward of what God has given me. So when you invest, you start out by looking at companies and stocks and stuff like that. And so the way I do it, I research a company, and I make sure it's a company that I believe in, that I feel like is going to do well in, a long, in the long run, it's going to have a great, a great track record, and Ultimately, the reason I invest is for a return on that investment. And so I may spend a lot of time researching it, and 
I, I find a company I really like, okay? And so I'm like, okay, here's a company. I think it's great. I think it's going to do well in the long run. I'm going to pull the trigger. And let's say, just hypothetically speaking, let's say I really believe in this and I put $10,000 on an investment in this company. That's a pretty big chunk of change, right? And so we're like, okay, I really believe in it. Well, that's faith. The conviction comes and you really determine how much conviction you have in this company when everything seems to be going wrong. So let's say I put $10,000 in company A, and the next day you get some bad news, and they miss their earnings, and they, something seems to be going wrong, and the company starts dropping. And so the next day, the company drops 10%, and the following day it drops another 5%, and then the next day it drops 20%, and so you're down like 30%. 40%, and there's some bad news that keeps coming out, 50%. You're down over 50%. Your $10,000 is now worth $5,000. Let's say it's a month later. It just kept going down and down and down and down. You have this dropping feeling in your stomach. I think you all know this when something like, oh no, something's going really wrong. You have this pit, you know, this feeling in your gut that you're like, oh, I just lost $5,000. What am I doing? That is when you know whether you have conviction in this company or not. So if you studied it and you really know this company and you feel really confident when it's $5,000 instead of 10, that means it's a good deal. You can put more money in. But if you do not know this company well, maybe you feel like, oh, there's a lot of things that have come to light that I did not know when I bought this company. You're not going to have that conviction. In fact, you may get out. And you may say, you know what, this isn't what I thought it was, and I'm going to get out because all of a sudden, you're afraid it might go to zero, and that happens with some companies. And so I think that's a very real way you can look at, okay, you might have enough faith in the company to invest initially, but if you don't have conviction, and it goes down and down and down, you're going to run away, and you're going to get scared. And, you know, that's a lot like life, because there are things in your life that you may believe in at first, and then when things don't go well, or when things are hard and challenging, do you have conviction to stick with it? Or is that conviction leading you to something else? Or maybe you don't understand it well enough at all, and that you don't really have conviction at all. And think about, like, back to the centurion for a minute. Um, you know, is something that he acted differently because of that conviction. He understood it to that degree. And so, like, why is conviction important? I think we can understand what conviction is. Um, you know, sometimes God might be calling us to do a really hard thing, and that is, like, is your faith enough in that that you're going to do the hard thing? But what's, what's so important about it? Well, let's go to Hebrews 11.6 real quick. Hebrews 11 is a great passage, by the way. It's all about faith and, you know, how, what faith is and, and why it's important. So is, do we have it up there? Hebrews 11.6. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. It's short. Um, all right. Awesome. And so it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we're back to faith again. And again, these two are very similar to each other. But faith is essential for pleasing God. If you were here last week, Elizabeth's sermon was kind of about pleasing the Lord and how important that is, and kind of the purpose of life is to please the Lord. And as believers, having faith in God is where you start with pleasing the Lord. <clears throat> I want to give another example 
of like conviction and why it's important. Think about the parable of the talents for a second. I'm not going to read the whole parable. I think most of you have probably heard of the parable of the talents, but I think this passage is really interesting when it comes to faith versus conviction and kind of what those look like. Because all three of the servants that you have in the parable of the talents, they had faith in the master in the sense they knew who he was, they believed in him, and they had a relationship with the master. But what they did was very different. And I think you see in that that while all of them may have had some degree of faith, there is the, the servant that got one talent, the servant that got five, and the servant that got ten. And the master went away on a long trip and said, use these wisely, and came back. And you find the servant that had ten gained ten more and said, Master, here, I have multiplied what you have given me. The servant with five got five more and said, Master, I have multiplied what you have given me. But the servant with one said, Master, I know that you are a shrewd man and basically made a bunch of excuses and said, I buried it in the ground. Here's your one talent back. And the master said, you wicked servant, you did not use what I have given you wisely. You just hid it in the ground and did nothing with it. Well, you know what? I think that's a lot like faith without works. And we're going to talk about that for a second. And this is a challenging passage of scripture because, you know, as believers, the comfortable thing is to say, well, I have faith. That's enough. But the Bible talks about how we need more than that. We need conviction to help us act upon that faith to serve the Lord. Because if you really have a real faith and you are convicted from the Lord, then you will act upon that. We're going to read James 2, verse 14 right now. And this, this passage, the, uh, the subtitles, I don't know if you know, but in Scripture, the subtitles there, they're not actually the Word of God. There's something, somebody kind of summarized what the passage is and put that little title there in front of the Scripture. But I like this one. The, the, the subtitle here is like, Faith Without Works is Dead. And that's pretty much what this passage is about. And, you know, it's a challenging one for believers because we are not saved by works. We're not saved by the good things we do. Yet, if you truly believe in God, God will convict you to do good works. And so it's kind of this interesting thing that, no, that's not what saves us, but you will do it if you truly have a relationship with God. So, verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I feel like there's a little sarcasm there, like, you do well believing, but the demons do too, right? Um, but, you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Do you see that then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only? 
Likewise, was Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So clearly, it's pretty important to have works, and conviction is what kind of leads us to that, because, you know, I think conviction is a lot like the Holy Spirit speaking to us and putting something on our hearts. And man, like, this rings true to me. Like, if you see somebody that's on the side of the street that doesn't have a home and doesn't, doesn't have, you know, things, it would be kind of mean to go up to them and be like, hey, be, be filled, be blessed, be warm, see you later. And you drive off, right? That, that's not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to love people. Think about the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think if we're really following those, then we're going to act upon that, right? It's not just something that, yeah, you can believe you should do those things, but are you actually going to do those things? And loving your neighbor as yourself, I think you kind of see that in here. Faith without works is dead. This is really the act of loving another and acting upon that faith that God has given you. So I think it's, it's pretty important to, to look at that and say, you know, God, how can you help elevate my faith to action? Let me give you a real-life example in today's world about somebody that my family knows. Um, I don't know if they're still alive, actually, but my family met and knows that is a real-life example of living out your faith in a way with conviction. It's a really powerful story here. Um, I'm going to call him Mr. N because we don't, we don't share his name because he's in a country that wants to kill him. This is somebody my dad met at a conference, and he's an evangelist from Libya. Now, if you know anything about Libya, Libya is where Muammar Gaddafi was the dictator, and it's a very hostile country to Christianity. It's a mainly Muslim country, and um, my dad kind of, <laughs> he would say that, like, finding an evangelist from Libya is like finding a snowball from hell. <laughs> like, it's not something you would expect, right? And this is one of the most hostile countries, but this guy, Nick, uh, Mr. N, um, he, uh, he would go, and he became a Christian. He would go share the love of Christ at the street corners of cities, and then he would flee to another city. And it's something that uh, my dad was talking to him about this and said, well, okay, so like, tell me exactly what you do. And he would go, and he would move from town to town. And the reason was, my dad found out, that Momar Gaddafi had these little things called death squads. It doesn't sound like a very friendly name, but it was this group of soldiers that uh, was, would be part of the army, but their whole job was to hunt down people that were opposed to the regime and opposed to, uh, you know, what they did. So they'd hunt down Christians and they would hunt down people that spoke against Muammar Gaddafi. And Gaddafi's long gone now, but it doesn't mean it's an easy place to be. But they had these death squads that were going, and my dad said, well, doesn't it make it a little easier for the death squads to find you if you are openly sharing about the love of Christ on the, in the city streets of these towns and going from town to town, and they're trying to hunt you down. Like, doesn't that make it just a little easier for them to find you? And what he said, I thought, was just will stick with me because it really shows 
uh, what it means to be living out your faith. And he said, you know, if I die, I die, but I must share the love of Christ with others. And my goodness, man, that really convicts me because if he can do that in a country where there's literally hired people to go kill him for what he is doing, how can we not share the love of Christ with others in America where, frankly, it's a whole lot easier? Yeah, there may be some social uncomfort and pressures and things like that, but in the end, like, it's nothing compared to what they go through in other countries. And so, like, that really stuck with me. And, man, how do we get that kind of faith? Because he was a man that not only had faith, but he was convicted about what he needed to do with that faith. And that is something that I think we can all aspire to. Not necessarily that we're all called to go on the street corner and go from town to town running from the authorities. That's not what I'm saying. But I think each and every one of us, when we have a relationship with Christ, God will put something on your heart that he is calling you to act upon. And so, like, how do we get there, right? Because I think we can all say that um, we want to have faith, and that's great, and then we want to act upon that. But how do we get there? Because it's not something that just happens overnight. It's something you have to work on, and it's a challenge. And so I was, I was praying about it and looking at Scripture and like, what does the Bible say about this? And I, I kind of came to the conclusion that there are three ways, <clears throat> there are three ways that we can uh, grow this conviction and this faith in our own lives. So the first is time and prayer, talking to the Lord and communicating with him. And prayer is not just us saying things to God. In fact, I think the majority and the most important part of prayer is what God says to us. I mean, think about it. Do you think it's more important what you say to God or what God says to you? I know for me, it's definitely more important what God says to me because he's a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) And uh, so listening, spending time, the Bible says to be still and know that I am God. And so you know, spending that time in prayer. And that's something, honestly, like, these are things that I'm working on myself. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm not saying I'm perfect in them. In fact, I need to work on them. I need to grow in them. So this is a challenge for me as well as you. So spending time in prayer. Number two, spending time in the Word, reading the Bible. Um, That is so important because the Bible is God's perfect Word to us as far as how to live the Christian life. So spending time reading Scripture and memorizing Scripture. I'm going to give you a challenge in a little bit about this, so uh, stay tuned for that. But the third is spending time with other believers. So you guys are start, you're doing that right now. Being in church or if you're online, you know, it's important. Spend time in relationship with other believers. And I think that's one thing that's awesome about the life groups is it's a very intentional way to spend time with other believers. You know, the Bible talks about spending time with other believers and encouraging one another in love and good works. And honestly, if you had to kind of boil down the purpose of church to any one thing, I would say that would be at the very top of the list, is fellowship with other believers. More important than a sermon, even. More important even than worship. Those are all great things, but fellowship with other believers is at the very top of the importance list. So, rehashing those three things. Time and prayer, time in the Word of God, and fellowship with believers. So I'm going to read Psalm 1 to you, the first part of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a great psalm. I really encourage you to read it, spend time in it. But it talks about what it means to be a man or woman of God. 
And it reiterates a lot of these things right here. So Psalm 1, do we have it up there? Awesome. Sounds good. I can't see it. So uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the steps of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which bears fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. Then it goes on to talk about the wicked and and how they're different, but we're going to stop right there. And I just want to hit a few things real quick in Psalm 1, because this is a really cool psalm, and this is one I've memorized and I've spent a lot of time on. So this is talking about how, do you, how are you going to be a man of God or a woman of God. Um, so first, you don't act like the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the wicked. I think this, what this is saying is don't be like the wicked. Don't walk in the same steps as they are walking in. So don't walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. So don't, don't act like a sinner. Don't do the things they do. Don't be like the world. And don't sit in the seat of mockers. Um, but here's the things you are supposed to do. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law they meditate day and night. So tell me, how do you meditate on the law of the Lord? Well, first, you have to know the law of the Lord, right? So I'm going to challenge you on this in a minute um, as far as learning Scripture, because you can't think about what God is telling you to do unless you know what God is telling you to do. So I love the analogy. It says that it will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. So it ends with a promise. Think about a large oak tree. It's really a cool symbol because this is like a believer. Several times in Scripture it talks about believers being like a tree. And a tree does not do anything without having a water source, right? A tree will wither and die without that water. But if a tree is tapped into the water, it can grow big and strong and become this really awesome symbol of power, but it's also something that bears fruit, and that's really important. And I love the last thing here, because it kind of, if that's not enough for you, I love how it ends, whatever they do shall prosper. And I mean, who doesn't want to prosper, right? If you believe in God and you believe that Scripture is true and you want to follow it, this is what you have to do to prosper. And then you will prosper. It's a promise from the Lord. And I always love promises from the Lord in Scripture because you can look at it and say, you know what? I just need to follow this, and that promise is something I can hold on to from God. So I want to challenge you. There's two challenges I want to give today. First, if you are a believer... I want to challenge you this next week to memorize a piece of Scripture, any piece of Scripture that is God is putting on your heart. If you, if you feel like you don't have direction, maybe Psalm 1 is a good place to start. Memorize a few verses in it. It's a pretty short psalm, and it's a great one, but I encourage you to take a piece of Scripture this week and memorize it so that it can be on your heart and on your mind. And I'm going to take this challenge myself. I want to find a piece of Scripture to memorize, And so I can be thinking about it and what's the Lord saying to you and just kind of mull it over in your head this week. So um, that's challenge number one. If you are willing to do that, I want you to uh, find a piece of Scripture and memorize it. And the second is that if you're not a believer yet, um, I just encourage you that faith is the place to start. You know, Romans 10.9 is a promise from God as well. It says, if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Think about that. If you confess, that means to say out loud that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, that means that he's a living God. We don't serve a dead God. It says you shall be saved. That's a promise from God. And so if you haven't done that, I encourage you, today is your chance to do that. And so either way, whether you're a believer or you're not, there's a step I would like you to consider taking today to either believe and confess that Jesus is Lord of your life or to find a piece of scripture to learn and so that you can be following this to be the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. So let me go ahead and pray for us today. And um, I, I'd like, I will, I'll pray with you all. And uh, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, you can pray with me to do that today. And I'll just walk through that prayer. And if you want to uh, make that decision to uh, memorize something like that, that would be great. And I'll just ask you all to uh, raise your hand if you'd like to do one of those two things uh, while we're in the prayer, okay? So let's go ahead and pray today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, loving us and wanting to pour into us. And uh, I thank you for each and every person here that you're calling to serve you, and that uh, you're calling to follow you in faith and to have conviction to live out their faith in you, Lord. And um, for those of us who have not yet entered into a relationship with you, I just ask that uh, you will come into our life, Lord, and I ask that you will, that you, <clears throat> excuse me, I ask that um, we, We want to confess that you are Lord of our life and that we want to follow you. And we believe that Jesus died for our sins and raised from the dead, Lord. And I just thank you so much that you have done that for us. And I just call us to believe in that, Lord. And um, we just thank you so much. And uh, for those of us who have made that decision and do believe, I just uh, thank you so much that you want that relationship with us. And I ask that you will help to pour your spirit into us and help us to have that calling to live out our faith in a powerful way. And I just ask anybody here who um, would like to make a decision to receive Christ today or maybe is praying that prayer with us, if you could go ahead and just raise your hand and just publicly confess that you would like to have Jesus as Lord of your life. So I'll take a second now if anybody wants to make that decision today, if you could go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Well, then next, I'll just say, if you are sitting here today and maybe you're feeling the, the power of the Holy Spirit and you're like, you know, this would be a good challenge for me just to take a piece of Scripture and to really memorize it and just meditate on it this week, Lord, and, and grow in you and just, uh, and just take that to grow our faith, Lord. I'd like you to raise your hand if you're willing to commit to that this week. Awesome, awesome. You can put your hands down. Well, Lord, thank you so much for these men and women, and I just ask that you'll help us to go forward today, uh, just growing our faith and conviction in you and helping us to really live out like uh, Mr. N did in Libya, just as um, a real-world example of how we need to be passionate about our faith and what it is you're calling us to do. Help us to each find that and to really be able to act upon what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.